the organizations become so large, then they become so secular, and then they become useless and meaningless. Because if they're not holding high the name of Christ, then they cease to be the church alive, active, and vibrant. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And in this episode, as always, we hope to encourage you to seize the faith. Tonight we have an interesting title, and I don't know if the title is going to require you to click on it or if everyone's going to say, nah, I don't want to. But our title for tonight is Denomination or Demonation. <laughs> what the heck are we going to talk about? Mainly it's kind of the idea of who runs the church. The recent 2021 annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention was convened, and they did their voting on of president and many other such motions and verbiage that you would think of if you were reading Robert's Rules and other such minutiae. Owner's manuals. <laughs> <laughs> but our, our, we thought we'd take this opportunity to use the Southern Baptist Convention to kind of talk about in just this general idea of who, who runs the church and, and what do we do with denominations and church affiliations and maybe some of the ups and downs that that can actually cause in a, in a local expression of the church body and, and what that means for the person who's actually pastoring a local church and also those of us that are attending at a local church because that's where the rubber meets the road and to think that your affiliation with an organization or your your connection to a denomination does not affect that would be uh, it would be foolish funds and properties and all sorts of entanglements are mixed up in it and so we thought we could maybe peel back some layers and take a look at that tonight if that's okay with you and if it's not it doesn't matter it's a free podcast hey hey you get what you pay for that's it so uh, before we start just wanted to kind of lay out the background we as pastors of our, our local congregation we are not we don't have any denominational affiliation no network affiliation, and that might that might shock some of you. That might put some of you off. But I'm shocked. I'm I'm lightly offended right now. I am. <laughs> I need to bring this up in the next elder meeting. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so we we don't really have you know. It's not like we have a ton of skin in this game, but it's been a pretty big happening with major news outlets covering it. And since we are a major news outlet, we decided that we would have to cover it too. That was a joke. You should all be laughing. We are a major news outlet. Ha 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 ha! Insert a, insert a laugh track right <laughs> there. That's what no, um, we did initially when when uh, when we began church planning. Geez, going on what ten years ago? No, not yet. Eight, uh, years ago. Nine, eight or nine. Eight or nine ish. Well, geez, don't make it sound like one year. I'm really off the money there, buddy. Gee whiz. Yeah, but 10 is like a big, it's a big year. Is it? It's like an anniversary year. Like, it's a decade. <laughs> Regardless, when we began, uh, we did. We looked into uh, what would affiliations or denominations look like. And, that, you know, who to, who to find ourselves in community with to provide structure. And, honestly, having gone to many co- many conferences, meetings, trying to find a good fit, we, we really landed with the scripture. Uh, we landed with the scripture as being what needs to define us. Now, that doesn't mean we're not ignorant to the local connections and local expressions of Christ and other pastors, as well as some really deep relationships we've made outside of the state. But we have uh, good connections there, and, and we really want to hold high what the scripture says. So, so that's kind of where we landed, having looked at all of our options uh, and invested time and resources into discovering that. And maybe 
as we discuss a little bit about what happened here at the SBC 21, as well as you automatically have to step back to the SBC 2020 conference, I, I think maybe it could peel back some reasons as to why we did not <laughs> make that jump the shark, so to speak, there and, and dive uh, dive in with a certain denomination or affiliation personally as a local expression of Christ. Yeah? Sound good? I'm down. All right. Then we, then we in. So, Jesse, what happened this year at the 2021 Southern Baptist Convention, which um, was held in Tennessee, but it, was it Nashville? No, it was some other, some other city. Was it? I sure? don't know. I thought it was Tennessee. Yeah, so, I mean, a c- couple of the big things that we're going to talk a little, just a little bit about, because, uh, you know, like I said, we don't have a ton of skin in this game, and uh, I did not take the whole week off to watch all of that stuff. Amen. We are just commenting as lay people. Hoping uh, somebody else is interested in listening. One of the big things that got a lot of pre-gaming was the election of a new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. So, um, there were a cu- couple people thrown in the mix there. There was the guy that ended up winning the vote, which was Ed Litton. There was Mike Stone, which I know a lot of the conservative guys were rooting for. Um, Al Mohler, which everyone's heard of, and a guy, Randy Adams. So there was, there was a lot of that hullabaloo. And then there was just a little bit of buzz around a, a resolution against uh, critical race theory critical theory, as well as some commotion around an abolitionist um, amendment uh, regarding abortion. Yeah, every time abolition gets brought up, I want to make sure everyone understands. We just celebrated Juneteenth. We already did that that once, so we're talking about abortion now. Yeah. <laughs> In the Christian sphere, when we talk about abolition, it's speaking about abortion. So this is the abortion abolitionist movement. Yes. Slavery has already been abolished. Yes. Now, we'll... now the Holocaust is abortion. Yes. So let us abolish that as well by God's grace. Yay. <laughs> I don't know what that yay was for. <laughs> to abolish abortion. Yay. Yay. So, yeah. So uh, th- those are the kinds of the things that we wanted to talk about. There was, there was a lot surrounding... A lot of angst surrounding the new president, Ed Litton, which was looked at as more of the uh, liberal or progressive candidate, had some pretty sketchy stuff on his website or on the their his church's website. And there was, I mean, for example, initially he had a, what was almost modalism. That is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were not you know one God, but more expressions of of God. It was a, it was a confusing little mess there. Fortunately, somehow he got elected president, and they cleaned that little thing up real quick, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he did a, a nice, right, quick Google search and uh, wiped that slate clean. He said, this isn't orthodoxy. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that? Oh, no. <laughs> the Another one of the kind of gripes is there were some clips of him and his wife on stage. His wife was introducing a sermon that they were going to teach together or, or something. It was kind of unclear, but the, the wording at least was... Not super flattering to the scripture and how it would hold those views, as well as how the Southern Baptists hold that view, uh, which has also ironically been cleaned up <laughs> from their website. <laughs> it's funny how all that works. Oh, when you, when the spotlight gets shot on you, you suddenly realize, like, hey guys, we really need to clean up all these cobwebs over yeah. here we haven't dealt with for it's a It's either time. that or uh, I'm, I'm listening to the audio book of 1984, and his job was to clean up all yes. of the history. Yes. It's the, the retroactive rewriting of history, yes. So, which is it? I guess time will tell. But, uh... <laughs> oh, man. 1984, you mean you're reading that new book, 2021? 2021. 2021. <laughs> yeah, new book. <laughs> yeah, that Christian book. That new Christian book, 2020. Uh, <laughs> it's a great, great book. Yeah. Um, and then there was, there was a lot of additional controversy around um, kind of one of the conservative favorites. Uh, I know he was promoted in... Among like the, some of the founders guys and some other groups that we that we roll with and listen to, there were some kind of interesting 
happenings regarding some like possible hit pieces on him, just kind of allegations that may or may not actually be true. Not really any way to figure out if it was true or not. Sometimes that's not the point of an allegation. Sometimes the point of an allegation is just to make you a little dirty. Mm. It just makes you look a little dirty, a little too, a little too icky, so we can just pass you by. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, one of the things I'll, I'll actually read this quote from John Harris uh, now concerning that he he said, uh, "John uh, Harris has uh, done a great job following very closely. He has left the he had left the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, moved, switched his church membership specifically because of some of the things that were going down um, previously in a few years previous." To, to this one, but he's followed it very closely. I think, I, I think in some ways, just in hearing him speak, the, the hope, his hope would be that there would be a, a, a repentance and a coming back to some, some more core, uh, biblical beliefs in the convention so that perhaps he could re-enter into that. But he's done some great work on that, just for clarification on who John Harris is, hat tip. Yeah. Um, you can find him at Conversations That Matter on Gab and Facebook and I don't know if he has a Twitter. Maybe he does. I don't really do the tweets, but. Um, so he says this, he says, when the Democrat Party dirty tricks show up at the Southern Baptist Convention, you know that unless those behind them receive a rousing defeat, the leadership of the convention cannot be considered operating by Christian standards any longer. In case you're wondering what I'm referring to, the way Mike Stone is being treated right now is what I'd expect from Democrats going after a Republican presidential candidate, not people who call themselves Christians. So there was, there's some suspected foul play there, which definitely I'm, I'm sure had its intended effects on Mike Stone's nomination, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about more of that later. Yeah, I've got like Al Wohler, who, I mean, we're very well f- familiar with. Uh, you've you've read some of his works. I, I listened to him on his, his little news roundup every morning called The Briefing. He's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, as uh, well as Boyce College. And I, <laughs> look, he's definitely said some things. He's got clips that don't sound so great. But I find when I listen to him on the issues, reporting specifically on the issues, he's pretty spot on as far as where I line up. Not perfectly, but again, he was considered to be a more progressive candidate. Although I don't, I don't necessarily see that myself. Here's the nice part: well, I mean, on, it's, it's all on a continuum, right? It so, is on a continuum. I mean, you'd, you'd have you'd have Litton on the left, you'd have Mike Stone farther right than Moeller. I think is probably where you'd. Put yeah, no, Adam. absolutely. You put. I don't Mo- know much about this Randy Adams guy. I do not know much about Randy Adams. Albert Moeller would have been uh, of those three at least. Albert Moeller would have been what you might consider more of a, the moderate in the middle, I guess, between uh, Mike Stone and Ed Litton. <clears throat> I, I and it is tough because you don't know if there's pragmatism um, that makes some people say or do certain things. But regardless, I think when it comes to the Word of God, it's not so much about pragmatism as it is about God's holiness and His righteousness. Yeah. That's that's always the key. Factor. At the end of the day, and again, the nice part is we sit on the outside of this. We're we're looking in at a denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, and we're on the outside of it. We're we're not in it, so we're able to. I, I think that that gives us the the bonus of being able to say like uh, of the of the four guys, I just know the one that probably shouldn't have won. <laughs> right. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the one that 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 they selected to be their president. And it does seem like there was some very interesting hanky panky going on behind. Uh, the 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 closed doors. So right away, when we talk about this, when we talk about denominations or demonations, what I mean is, you come to a conference that's a collection of churches under a denomination called the Southern Baptist Convention. 
And each church is supposed to be independent, yet suddenly when you see the convention, you realize how not necessarily independent any of the churches actually are. You, uh, so you have the, uh, the, the conference convention leadership, right? They, they run on the committee. And then you have these other representatives called messengers, and they come from the churches. And they're to submit certain amendments and resolutions uh, that they're going to be making statements on that year. Um, and, and the messengers, which are, again, are the representatives of churches, uh, can vote on them. But sometimes the, the committee can actually, you know, kind of block things from even reseeing the floor or, or they can table things, which effectively can put them into like uh, purgatory and never see the light of day. And that's, that's kind of how it works. So when you hear that, what you automatically start to hear is something that functions much more like the legislative body in our governments, in our state governments, and in our national government. It's exactly, it's exactly what it sounds like. And as soon as you've gotten there, I suddenly, like, red flags just go up for me. Like, if you're a church, if you're supposed to be functioning at the, as the body of Christ, then what, there's this whole, like, Robert's Rules thing just starts to get in the way of what God has asked you to do, which is to be true, right, and love, right, to speak the truth in love. And so if you're, if you're couching everything behind the veiled layers of bureaucracy, I feel like you're, you're just, you're just, you're just putting so many steps between what God's word has called you to do and what you're actually doing. I think setting that up might help you understand how the SBC, SBC runs. And let me just tell you, it's just about how every denomination runs. In fact, some, some, some of them are so much more bureaucratic, um, that it's even it's even just more work it more worse that's not a thing it's even worser that's not mm. a thing either <laughs> it's mm. it's not great like some of them are even even s- just slower and bureaucrat it's just it can get really really sticky yeah bogged down yeah and and all right, <clears throat> so I don't want to get too far into that but I, I just wanted to lay that out that's what's happening at this convention which is supposed to be a gathering together of the churches of Christ. So some things should be simple, like namely, what does the word of God say? I think we should do that. And and if if what you're saying goes against what God's word says, we don't do that. Yeah. Right. We cut it out. We remove it. Yeah. But I mean, like as we as we mentioned last episode, there's a huge biblical literacy problem, and that problem <laughs> big that, time. That problem goes. It starts with leadership and ends with the sheep. So. When when you have leadership who doesn't preach prop- properly through the exposition of the word and doesn't instruct its people how to glean from the word properly, um, you know there is absolutely no faith that the messengers being sent will actually uphold the scriptures as they should. And then you get stuff like what happens. Um, you know you get you get CRT affirming. People there, you have emotional people on stage swaying opinions with their tears. You have um, just a lot, a lot of a lot. It's 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 the opposite of level-headedness. I don't know what the opposite. I don't know what word that would be, but it's 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 leading with your feelings, not leading with the truth. You know, which of course just muddies and makes everything. It, it, it removes it removes whatever possible discussion you could be having about scriptural things. At least one. Or two degrees away from the actual scripture itself. So the conversations you end up having have really nothing to do with the scriptures. 
They um, have to do with the bureaucracy in the machine so that you can get something moving forward. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sad, it's a sad thing. I mean, but that's, that's any large organization right that, like that, right? And I'm, I'm certainly not going to sit here and pretend like I know how to conduct organizations of that size. And for all I know, for an organization of its size, they do a perfectly fine job at, at that type of thing or as best as they humanly could. But well, I want to clearly say organizations of that size and the other organizations that are similar to it, they all they are is giant targets. So understand something. They, they're like the Titanic. They don't move fast. And they can't turn fast. Uh, and then the culture that we're in, I just war, I just want everybody to know that this is not an anti-denomination thing. We're not anti-denominations. We appreciate many of the brothers in just about all major denominations um, that have ministered to us effectively. And we are very glad for their ministry in the word. But it's not because they're a part of a denomination that caused them to be effective in our lives. And and the, the other thing is, when when things begin to move sideways... When, when the ideas that are being that are taking hold and root in Canada begin to move into the, the states here, um, the first thing the first things you target are the major organizations, the big ones, right? And if they if they're not going if they're not going to get on board, if they're not going to have their convention to meet and adopt all of the new dictums coming from the magistrates, right? Then they're going down. But a small lean church. Right, that that is locally expressed can be agile and mobile, and docile. And now I'm talking about boxing things, <laughs> but that's the idea. It's a fighter. We're we're avoiding getting hit, um, and we're making sure we hold high the word, and we're ready to strike with the gospel for for God's grace and glory at any time. And that's a that's a figurative strike, just to be clear. Yeah. Un- I don't until feel like docile is until it's not. I don't think docile is a boxing term. No, I might have overstated. I feel like docile is. Peaceful. Mobile. Agile. Docile. No, really? Not getting it? Yeah, no, I gotta look it up. I mean, docile is definitely peaceful, but it's peaceful in the moment, I think. It had to be uh, kind of like, it's like an intent to I focus. I, get, I guess I could get. We're going, yeah, down, like we're going downhill right now. Docile. We have totally boxing? digressed. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a boxing term. It's just a line that I'm, I'm recalling. Oh, you're, you're literally making it up. I, I'm recalling it from a movie. I'm not saying it is a boxing term. It is oh. most certainly not. It's not like ring or uppercut or gloves or... <laughs> it's not a box. It's not a box. That's a Watch out, watch out, watch out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, anyway. Pound the body, pound the body, pound the body. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about, man, what a rabbit trail. So, you I know, blame you. That was all your fault. No, no, no. I just mean, like, we, we went from talking about new presidents to rehashing uh, the whole structural. Well, that's because it's important, I think, to note how this is all going on. And what what's actually happening is they're, they're, they're picking a president of that organization. But even the crap going on to get there is is a mess. We had you had un, unverifiable allegations of sexual misconduct on on one guy. I believe that was Mike Stone, right? And they weren't they weren't verifiable. They weren't even sought to be verified. It was just a little dirt to kick up. It seems it really does seem like now. I, now, if they are if they are true, they should be investigated. But if you're not going to treat them as true and actually try to flesh them out, then you're not. Then you don't really care. This is what bothers me. If you really care, you say, "Oh my gosh, you just brought a serious charge against this man." Where is the victim? 
where's your other witness? We need to corroborate this. If this is true, this is a grave sin and a grave error that needs to be repented of and forgiveness to be sought and restoration and reconciliation to happen. It's not something that you just kick up some dirt on somebody, especially not in a Christian and from a Christian worldview, from a biblical worldview. It's totally unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, and honestly, it falls under the idea of bearing a false witness, right? Because the Bible, or the Old Testament laws were very, very strict about mm-hmm. bearing false witness. You know, today, you know, you get a slap on the wrist and a little bit of fine, so people bear false witness all the time. But back in the Old Testament, you'd be put to death. If that. You would, you would, you would die. Oh, yeah. OT? For sure. Yeah. You nowadays would die in the Old Testament. Nowadays, nowadays, no consequences. Right, yeah. So, I mean, and, and that's why, that's why a lot of the, a lot of the scriptures would reference the, the importance of having two or three witnesses to be able to corroborate the charge. Even in Matthew 18, when you're bringing someone under church discipline, you know, and, and Jesus says where two or three are gathered, it's, it's, it is, it is a hearkening back unto the idea that two or three witnesses to verify this charge brings with it the authority the weighty authority that God has placed on the entire process and situation. Right. And it's it's through that witness that you make your decisions. It, and it gives two things. It gives the opportunity, if there was sin, on behalf of, of the person accused for repentance and reconciliation and restoration. And if, if there wasn't, it holds high the truth, yeah. right? By showing that this was a false allegation and the person that made it made a false allegation for selfish gain and selfish reasons, whatever those purposes were. And that's not okay. And perhaps they also do need healing, and perhaps it was someone else that committed this against them, and perhaps they have been harboring bitterness towards someone that they shouldn't have. I mean, it it, it really brings to light the truth, and that's what God's all about. Yeah. Yep. So, we got to do what the Bible says. <clears throat> Moral of the story is... <laughs> yeah. So, um, regarding critical race theory, there was another... Uh, I think they call it, They just call them resolutions. There was another resolution... Yes, because they say... We stand resolved, yeah, and then yeah. they read off what their results. Which ironically are some type of non-binding thing. It's just, <laughs> it's just words. I guess. We're really resolved, and then you know, if you're a church that doesn't do it, it's like, well, I guess they weren't so resolved. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but but anyway, I guess there was more opposition to resolving against critical race theory. Last year's conference, or was it twenty? It was twenty nineteen's conference. There was a lot of lot of conversation. Um, I know. Uh, Tom Askell and the Founders Ministry guys, they put out that documentary, By What Standard, which um, I encourage everybody to read, to listen to, because it'll go through a lot of the history of that. You know, the... Also, it's a great question to ask all the time. By, by what, what standard? standard. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they, they went through that. I, I won't be able to... I'm not going to rehash that whole thing here. No, certainly not. Um, but the resolution was... Um, uh, very disrespectfully dismissed um, by the leadership on stage. I forget what the guy's name is. Merritt? James Merritt? I don't know if that Yeah, that whole situation was a, was a hot mess. And and the, the purpose of it was to call out critical race theory for what it was, which, namely, we've, we've done this. We have a whole pop, podcast on that. You should definitely go check it out. That was episode 24, I believe which we talked about taking back the language. And we have no way of knowing because, uh, you know, we just do so much that there's no possible way for us. Yep, episode 24, take the language, nice. take the Good world. for you. Thank you. Um, where, where basically critical race theory is just stemming from critical theory, which is just stemming from Marxism. And you can you can like not like that or whatever. Which just That's stems fine. back to Satan in the Garden. Which does stem back to Satan in the we Garden. We didn't take it all the way back. Oh, we did. Saul, Saul Alinsky dedicated this whole book, Rules for Radicals. To Lucifer, 
so Marx himself and his poetry talks about how Satan was the first great. All right, all right, all right. Um, and and the the whole mess basically stemmed from the fact that some of the universities that are in the SBC the SBC were having teachers that were utilizing critical race theory. Um, and the, the committee itself was accepting it and promoting it as a tool by which you could um, uh, teach and instruct. Um, and An analytical tool, yes. a useful analytical tool. Yes, and to be clear, it is not. Uh, it is neither uh, useful, but it, it does make you a tool. So. <laughs> of Satan. Of Satan. It is, it's, not, it's not helpful at all, yes. especially when we run into scriptures that, that clearly tell us that in Christ there is only unity. Your ethnicity literally does not matter to unity in Christ. It's it's nothing. Uh, if your if your blood family is nothing compared to the unity that we have in Christ in the church, then your ethnicity understand is far less than that. So yeah, your level be, of melanation. Let's be real. Yeah, um, and so that whole mess is that's just a hot mess. There, there, there is a progressive movement happening in the SBC, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to fight against feels. By the way, that's another episode you can check that out. Oh, yeah, but the, um, the feels are strong. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's very very dismissive of that, which was a shame because critical theory, critical race theory. I mean, there there are parents all across the country protesting critical theory being taught in schools and they have more insight and knowledge as to the danger of it than these shepherds do. And, you know, if the I guy think that goes right to that thing that you were mentioning from AD Robles book. Yeah. That's because the parents are, are, they're not, they're not squinting at something trying to pick it apart. They're just, their eyes are just open and they're just like, no, if you say that, that that's racist. Mm-hmm. That, that is divisive. You can't say that. That thing that you're saying is good is horrible and evil. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the terrible thing is, it's horrible and evil, even just on a plain, basic Imago Day understanding of morality. You know? Right. You don't, you don't, you, you don't really even yeah. need special no. revelation to understand Absolutely the dangers. Not. That's why someone like, you know, for instance, James Lindsay, an atheist, or at least an agnostic, or hopefully an agnostic at least, you know, can also warn against critical theory because it is immoral. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, just very dismissive comments from from the gentleman on the stage. Like I said, I forget I forget his name. I'm terrible at all this stuff. But um, yeah, he was like, you know, if we we're not Southern Baptists, okay, we don't have to know their names. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. <laughs> you know, he was like, well, if, if we if we paid attention to sharing the gospel as much as half as much as we paid attention to critical race theory, we'd you know, evangelize we, the world by now. I tonight, know, just like, I think you said, it's and it's like, like wow, it, you that was just foolish, dismissive. It was a red herring. It was emotional. It was it was thinking with your heart and not your brain. I mean, it was just absolutely... And the unfortunate truth is, if you evangelize them with the critical race theory that you guys are talking about, you wouldn't be winning them towards the gospel. You'd just be winning them towards themselves and their Satan. own holiness. Which, by the way, if I hear one more pastor... I mean, you, pay, you played a clip this week right before we started about one other pastor saying that we're all gods. We oh, are man. not gods! Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> We are like, not gods. Like we are broken, evil. doing? <laughs> yeah. How many pastors can say, no, this is what the scripture says. You are gods. No, we're not. No. We're evil, broken sinners saved by grace. We are made righteous through the blood of Christ. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, so that, that was that was a terrible thing. I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be a conservative. Well, I guess not even. I'll, I'll leave that word out of it because it has political connotations. But to be a biblical Christian, 
a, to be a biblical Baptist there listening to that dismissive thing it must have been heartbreaking to hear because it, it definitely was terrible for me to hear. And I'm, I'm not even a part of the denomination, but it's true. it certainly doesn't uphold the scriptures as the highest form of authority or else they would know that is it is literally the grandchild of a Satan worshiper. Yeah. And it, and and it is it is divisive where the scripture is not, and and you don't need to add something divisive to the scripture which is unifying. That's that's absolutely foolish. Yeah, it's it's fake unity. It's not even real. Funity. Funity. Yeah. Last topic. The other interesting thing that uh, that came out of this was a a resolution that was brought out of committee, from what I understand, in a relative dramatic fashion, and was placed on the floor for discussion. Regarding the a stance on the abolition of abortion for the Southern Baptists, and again the response to this on the floor was t- trying to be dismissive of this. John Harris had another great another great thread. It's easier to see. It's it's harder to kind of get this. So it's it's almost like a like a conversation back and forth. He says the SBC. Oh my goodness, racism is everywhere. We must make a twenty seventh statement on it. Also the SBC. We already have a statement on abortion. We reject your resolution. The SBC. We can't adopt language calling a mother who has an abortion sinful. Standing ovation. Also the SBC. Abusers must be condemned in the strongest possible terms. The SBC. We must stop fighting over politics and have unity. Let's build bridges. Also the SBC. If you're concerned about critical race theory, you don't prioritize the gospel and you're divisive. Let's tear bridges to you down. (laughs) (laughs) The SBC, we need to stop speaking negatively about one another. Also the SBC, who's funding Randy Adams' tabloid? Mike, Stone's def- Mike Stone defends abuse. You know, so it's like, it's just highlighting the ridiculousness, the the double thing going on there. And especially about, uh, regarding the abolition of abortion, because the, the wording is certainly, it, it, is, it is by the abolitionists themselves. They recognize it as the strongest stance against abortion that the SBC has actually passed regarding a resolution and it did pass with one amendment to one word from what i understand do you um, know what the word is because i can't find the word yeah it's in it's in the article they added, oh, they added article. the word they added the word alone to section 14 making it read that we will not embrace an incremental approach alone to ending abortion yes i see that right there yeah and like the third paragraph they added that that was the big thing they had to add the word alone just so they could be from what I understand, again, I, I just reading these cursory articles. I guess it makes. I mean, look, hey, I'm a run all the place kind of guy, so I get it. Um, yeah, we're we're Eagles fans. We we, <laughs> we yeah. nothing's off the table. Oh, depressing. Sad. We did have a Super Bowl though. You saw a Super Bowl. I, I saw it. It was a good. It was good. It was Watching nice. Tom Brady lose is always good. Every time. No offense <laughs> to Englanders, but. I think you can agree with us. Tom Brady sucks. Buccaneers, yeah. screw you. I'm kidding. Don't I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a football. It's just football. It's a joke. Jeez. Uh, a couple more months. But um. But yeah. So. But. But from what I understand, there's not a whole ton of negativity about that portion because there's other areas of the resolution that are indiscriminate in their language in condemning abortion for what it is, which is the murder of unborn children. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later too, but, but yes, also, also some strange pushback on that, you know, oh, we already have resolutions on abortion. Oh, well, we already have resolutions condemning racism, but we want to do that again. You know, as John Harris does that, uh, you know, post from John Harris that I just pointed out said, 
you know so it's like it's it's just it's it's mind-boggling they 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 want it's this is where it gets political feeling. Yeah, the denomination this bureaucracy denomination or demonation we have so many viewpoints that are trying to be weighed out instead of saying wait wait right we're not having a rational discussion anymore is abortion murder and the answer is always yes and then we can have a discussion on what that means at the end of the day but when you take a life you're killing something right, right? we call it, we refer to the, the ending the ending of a life right as either suicide or homicide that is suicide the person took their own life or homicide their life was taken by outside influence and that's what abortion is every time someone always dies yes and it's and it's and it's not they're not killing themselves right right this isn't the butterfly effect look no one's seen it i probably made a mistake i mean i know what the butterfly effect refers to but but it's a anyway. Right. Let's just leave this behind. Let's please, leave, please leave this row behind here. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> <Men are> talking. <laughs> so the abortion thing seems simple enough, and and honestly, I am glad. I am glad that they passed this. And so some some of the outlooks, the takes on this conference overall. There's a positive ish kind of group of people that we follow, in which or op- optimistic more, might be more op- still optimistic, still still hopeful that. There is a way to move forward in amongst this, which I, I mean, looking at it from where I was, which is so far outside of it, and uh, just watching some of the videos where statements are made and hearing the applause of the crowd is the concerning part because there's huge applause at times for the emotional appeals um, of of men trying to to make statements that are most culturally acceptable. Yes, and I have no time for that. Yes. I ain't got don't, no time for that. Don't clap for things that the Bible doesn't allow you to clap for. Yeah, that's and that's really important. We should be clapping for the holiness of Christ. That's what they should be. I mean, that's nice. the whole idea. Yeah. And so that does have me some concerns. Uh but but I think overall the the guys that are involved in Founders Ministry, Jared Longshore, Tom Askell, they still seemed to be at least positive ish that there was room to grow in, that there were still ways to push back in. And, uh, and, and we did, we are, we are going to try to see if we can connect with Dusty Devers, who was responsible for a lot of the wording in the, involved in the, uh, abolition of abortion statement that was signed in. So that's kind of exciting. He seems to be at least positive about that. And I think, and honestly, I do. I think there's, there is call to be positive about that, that they did accept that. That wasn't because of the committee members. That was because of the messengers, those, mem- those representatives sent from the churches who were saying, no. No, we're going to vote this in, and and this is correct. This is biblical. So so good on them. So hopefully that means that there are a great many churches that are willing to to do that in the in the SBC. Yeah, definitely. So so that's that's something to be that, that that's good. I, I so I was able to listen to two of the podcasts in recapping that John Harris did. I think you listened to a few more. His recapping of the SBC 2021. There were many. There were, yeah. He was, he's a, he does not, he is detailed, which is great. We were very appreciative, but he was definitely a little more negative, a little more pessimistic on the direction. And I think I, I can really get on, get behind what he's saying because the motion of the crowd, the, the energy behind non-biblical emotional appeals was strong. And so I could see why someone would be very negative at that. 
And again, you're talking about denomination or demonation here. You're talking about we're connecting to this massive organization that's going to oversee all these churches. And if I'm not mistaken, it is the largest denomination in North America. We're talking a ton of churches that are are connected to the denomination of the Southern Baptist Convention. And when we're talking about that, you're talking about the driving force becoming uh, the emotional appeals of cultural mandates. Not biblical mandates, cultural mandates. There's not a lot to be positive about that. There's, it's disheartening. But it's also, at the same time, it's not surprising. It's, it's what the church is doing. It's what the church has been doing, right? They have been, there, there's such this movement to put butts in seats that are not connected to the gospel or growing in any real way from, from the top down in, in most churches. And we have, again, it's, it's just this, these fat shepherds that went to seminary and never learned an ounce of what it means to actually deliver the gospel in an impactful way into someone's heart and mind. But boy, can they conjugate the Greek. And congratulations, but at the same time, you've missed what it means to be a pastor. And, and we're, there, our churches, our pulpits are filled with them, right? And, and at the end of the day, guess what? It turns out suddenly there's a deep concern about getting that paycheck funded, and so uh, it's it's not uncommon. This is this is this is actually far more than norm. And and maybe the most surprising part is how long the SBC has really held out, being such a large denomination uh, from much of this this cultural tension. Perhaps we I'll throw that out there as a possibility. Yeah, certainly no way for you or I to know. No, because you know what, we are not Southern Baptists. No, no. So um, but we do baptize. A couple quotes. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Believers. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I love so many of my Presbyterian brothers and sisters in Christ. So many of them. I just can't understand it. That's fine. I don't need to. John the Dunker, man. What's wrong with everybody? Gee. So uh, a couple quotes from uh, founders uh, from this, from this not really optimistic, not really positive, but let's call it not walking away yet view. Um, so Tom Askell writes, uh, I got a couple, couple paragraphs here. He writes, there were two types, uh, the link for this is in the show notes, by the way. Uh, there were two types of Southern Baptists in the convention hall. Those who wanted open discussion and opportunity to repudiate critical race theory and intersectionality versus those who wanted to avoid addressing those ideologies by name. Those who wanted the voices of hundreds of Southern Baptists to be heard through the submission of this resolution by more than 1300 church members versus those primarily the primarily the Resolutions Committee chaired by James Merritt, who wanted those voices silenced. Those who wanted to speak strongly for the abolition of abortion versus those who wanted to say less than the resolution that ultimately passed actually said. Those who repeatedly reminded us from the platform that the world is watching us versus those who were more concerned that God God was was watching us. us. That was, what a crazy thing. Like, what a crazy stance the world is watching. What, who cares who the heck cares bro like simmer down anyway so in his closing to to his article his recap he said it's time for southern baptist churches led by god-fearing pastors to show up stand up and speak up and remind the elites and our and our erstwhile leaders that the seminaries institutions and agencies of the sbc belong to the churches those who lead them and work in them work for the churches the trustees of them are not their unpaid employees, but represents the churches. And it is the and it is past time that the churches start holding our employees and trustees accountable. Which kind of goes back to what you yep. and I were saying regarding 
the local church is where it's at. It's where the rubber meets the road. And when it's part of a larger organization, just like, just like how our government is set up, it, the larger entity is there to serve the people. The people are the ones that have the actual say, which I, I think is kind of Tom's appeal there as well. Yeah. Uh, he says, this can happen and I believe will happen, but it will not happen without decisive steps that will evoke charges of being mean-spirited, unkind, fundamentalist, unchristian, and worse. Trust me, I know. <laughs> and, and to be sure, Tom Askell has been called a great many things. But my encouragement to all who want to see the SBC become healthier is to keep your Bibles open and don't listen to the naysayers who fear the churches of the SBC rising up to make our voices known. Fear God and do what is right. And that's that's the crux of the matter, right? That's the crux. Um, the battle is the Lord's and he will decide the outcome. Let us be found being faithful and pursuing righteousness according to whatever light and power the Lord will Give us, which is a fantastic way to conclude that banger of an article. Yeah, and and I am on board. Uh, I when I say that my concern is when I when I look at this, you know, and when I when I was really thinking we should title this den- denomination or demonation. I don't inherently mean <laughs> that denominations are in any way a a an anti biblical thing necessarily. Now, personally, I think that there should be great pause when we think about what our church has become and and particularly when you look at the biblical health in america in america i mean i well i mean when you think yes that's that's true Um, like in the culture yeah certainly particularly in in western culture look at what the church has become the church so and and you can see as the church spreads so when you go to the church when you look at the church in europe you, you realize that it has become, it has gone past organization in decline and it has now simply become some sort of historic monument. That's what it is, in essence. We have huge, beautiful, uh, cathedrals, um, and arches and they are simply, uh, historical Christianity. They, they're, they're not vibrant anymore. They're, they're, they're time capsules. And, and we see that what that, that what happens is, the, the organizations become so large, then they become so secular, and then they become useless and meaningless. Because if they're not holding high the name of Christ, they cease to be the church alive, active, and vibrant. And that's that's what we see. So when when you think denomination or demonation, I'm not saying that there's some sort of satanic occult like thing. I'm saying what we need to wonder is: is there a more effective way? Is there a better way? Is the does the Bible? prescribe to us some ideas in which this can be helped and, and, and gone through uh, that is better than what we have decided and what we have found. Because <laughs> what we have found, I, I think we can look at now and safely say, this isn't working. <laughs> this is not good. Um, because the divergence from, from biblical understanding and literacy is so great. It's just so great. No, it's not great. It's so wide. It's it's so it's so it's such a chasm. It is a great distance, and that's that's what has me. That's what has me a little concerned uh, as I see this, mostly because the SBC being the largest and and now one of the the latter ones to actually fall victim to this, and now we're seeing it. And maybe one of the things where you thought, oh, you know what? They're a pretty stalwart in this. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. No, no, no church and no denomination and no organization is perfect. But they they really hold high. And now you're looking at it you're like, well, I have some, I have some concerns, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't want to ramble on too much there. No, you're good. Okay. And, you know, some of the guys over at Free the States and the Abolition guys, they kind of had the same kind of view. Like, okay, if this could pass with minimal, you know, butchering, you know, maybe there's yeah. maybe there's still hope. Maybe I think that still... does offer some, at least a bright spot. If the churches and the, the messengers coming from the churches were willing to say, no, this, this stance on abortion is the correct stance. We're going to uphold this. Despite what the committee uh, was actually trying to say should or should be on the floor. Right. Uh, that is a, that is a positive, and I really I really do hope we can we can talk to Dusty Devers and get some insights into what he thinks and sees there too. As well as if this is a new concept for you, uh, Christian, to hear about the abolition, the abolitionist movement, and the abolition of abortion, it is uh, it is a a fascinating discussion to have. I know at our church we have an ardent ab- abortion abolitionist. I mean, we've had I've had many great discussions with him. So uh, if you're listening, you know who you are. Very enjoyable. Both you and I share deeply held understandings of the language that the abolitionists use, and we fully affirm it and agree with it. It is it is murder. Uh, it is unacceptable to God. Uh, it is defiling. And we need to hold high those things. So it is a great undertaking to fight and wage war against abortion in our, in our culture, because it is disgusting and an affront to God. Amen. Amen. All right. You want to... Uh... Wrap it up. Yeah, wrap Give it up. Wrap up here. So some, here's got some Acts twenty. Over here's here. where we thought, here's where I thought we could really take this. Acts twenty twenty eight to thirty. This is Paul speaking to the elders at Ephesus, and what he's what he's unpacking. He what he what he had just previously unpacked in the passage up to the verse, which we'll begin reading in verse twenty eight, is just reminding the elders how how ardent he was to speak clear truth to them no matter what was happening and how he was willing to give of himself so that the truth would be the thing, the the truth of Christ would be all that is for them. And when we pick up the reading in verse 28, he's reminding these elders what I think is the, the real who of the church and what the church is. He's reminding them of something very, very integral in Acts 20, starting in verse 28, and I'll read to verse 30. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And if I could pause right there, this is very clear in this moment, because what is being said is that you are an overseer of the flock that the Holy Spirit has made you overseer of. Which inherently means I'm not the overseer of all of the flocks. I do I do want to point that out because it is quite clear in the scripture that this is pretty consistent throughout. Um, he then goes on to say, To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The point Paul always makes is that the church is Christ's. And I hope that we consistently make that point to you in this podcast. The church is Christ's. He purchased the Christ, purchased the church, his blood for his bride. That's what happened. And Paul here is pointing out it is God's church. It is Christ's church. It belongs to him. You are simply an overseer of it at the moment, right? And you will be called to give an account for that. He then goes on in verse 29, and I think this is a timely word for all pastors at this very moment. If you would, if you wish to serve a biblical church model, if you wish to serve the Christ and God and Lord of all, he says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. I mean, the point here is clear. There will be elders and leaders and pastors that will that will stop being elders and ministers of Christ and begin to be elders and ministers of twisted things that carry people away from Christ. And they will be among you, he, he says. I mean, this is, this is the truth. And this is why I always, the larger the organization gets, when you get to these huge denominations, um, it, it often, you, it's, it's a scary effect to watch one domino fall and topple the next and topple the next and topple the next. And it usually stems leadership down. It is not the leadership at the Southern Baptist Convention that was going to pass the abol- the abolitionist wording in the abortion mm-hmm. addendum. It was the messengers from the church. It was the representatives of the churches that wanted to pass that. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a good insight. That's where you have to see this passage. Just it flickers to life and reminds us, right, that fat shepherd get fat get may they may get eaten last, but they will get eaten, and all they produce is fat sheep. And in many ways, they produce the fat sheep so the fat sheep fall first because they're slower, and then the shepherd gets falls. And, and that's what we really need to be cautious about here in the church. We need to be a, a an active, uh, vibrant, lean uh, church for for Christ, ready to ready to bob and weave. We need to be docile. Oh wait, no, we're not. No, not docile. Wait, what did we decide on that? Docile? I don't, I don't know if you decided anything. I, I don't <laughs> think it particularly fit. <laughs> that's that's the point of the scripture. And so, while this episode may have sounded like we were just crushing denominations, we are very thankful uh, for the faithfulness of many denominations over the years, and uh, we do have great concern and would want prayer, prayerful consideration for for men that are faithful inside of denominations that begin that are beginning to stray and move further from Christ and His Word. Uh, to to call that to call the the leaders back to repentance, uh, they call them uh, to turn from uh, teaching twisted things, as Paul says, uh, to come back to the solid truth of God's word and stand boldly on it. That's what we would encourage them to do. Amen. Amen and amen. And Abdis, a week like this really should encourage you to do one thing and one thing only, and that's the important thing the church needs to do, namely seize, seize the, the faith. faith.